Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Thank you very much. Good evening. Oh, come on, folks. Hello, let's try that again. Good evening. Oh, that's so much better. And we not only welcome you, but those that are in the tent and those that are on all the campuses. And then I think there are so many online and other pastors and leaders. What a, what a joy to be here. Wasn't worship wonderful? Just, you know, there's just, I've come to the conclusion after worship, there's no place like this place anywhere near this place. So this must be the place, huh? I think this is where it all happens. And, and Jeff, thank you for having me. It was a joy to endorse your book. And, and, and I can tell you, it's, a, it's an incredible equipping book for men. And I read it, and I just rejoiced at your heart for men. It, it really comes through that you um, not only have a great biblical foundation, but that you really have just a heart to raise up men and so you recognize you that are here in this local church you do understand what a terrific leader God has given you and Jeff Little I don't you it's just a fantastic that's just a delight and I, I'm so glad to be with you I um, Margaret and I in, in, a, in just a few months will be married for 53 years and uh, that's uh, and we have two children. We have five grandchildren. Grandchildren are God's gift to you for not killing your children. <laughs> In fact, over the holidays, we were with everybody and had such a great time. And I was telling the grandchildren one day, because this is truly a fact, that the grandchildren are so much better than our children were. And I was telling them, I said, oh my gosh, you just, I mean, you're so much better. And the grandchildren were just loving that. And my son just jumped right in and said, no wonder they're better, Dad. We're their parents. And the last time I'm going to be using that illustration, that's for sure. <laughs> that one's gone down the tube. I, uh, uh, I, I'm so excited to be here with you, and, and in a moment I'm, I'm going to do a teaching on God's will for your life, but before I do that, I, I, I was fondly remembering back being with you a, a few years ago at your prepare conference, Jeff, and what a terrific time I had there, and, and I'm looking so forward to tonight and tomorrow morning. And uh, and I, I want to read something to you that I just, it, it's, it's abusing, it's fun, but it's, it's about life. You see, when you turn 65, you get wisdom. You, you just do. And, and you don't get it until then. And as I'm looking out at you, some of you, you, honest to God, you got a long way. And... Um, yeah, you know, now when you're young, you get energy and, and no wisdom. Uh, and then when you're older, you get wisdom and no energy and God's cracking up. That's what he's doing. And uh, so I, I want to read this to you because I just love it. It's all about life and, and it's going to explain life to you in about two minutes. So look, do me a favor. Look at your neighbor and say you're about to understand life. Would you tell them that? Just, uh, you're about to understand. In fact, look. Look back at him and say, why do, I th why do you think I brought you here tonight? 
So here we go. On the first day, God created the dog. God said, sit all day with the door of your house and bark at anybody that comes by. He said, I'll give you a lifespan of 20 years. The dog said, that's too long to be barking. Give me 10 years, I'll give you back the other 10. And God agreed. So on the second day, God created the monkey. He said, entertain people, do monkey tricks, make them laugh. I'll give you a 20-year lifespan. The monkey said, how boring, monkey tricks for 20 years? I don't think so. The dog gave you back 10 years, so that's what I'll do too. God agreed. On the third day, God created the cow. God said, you must go out in the field with a farmer all day long, suffer under the sun, have calves, give milk to support the farmer. I'm going to give you a lifespan of 60 years. The cow said, that's kind of a tough life. You want me to live for 60 years? Wow. Let me have 20, and I'll give you back the other 40. And God agreed. So on the fourth day, God created man. God said, eat, sleep, play, marry, enjoy your life. I'm going to give you 20 years. Man said, what? O only 20 years? I'll tell you what. Okay, I'll take my 20. At the 40, the cow gave you back, and at the 10, the monkey gave you back. And how about adding, you know, the 10 the dog gave you back, that makes 80, okay? And, okay, God said, you've got a deal. So that is why the first 20 years of our lives, we eat, eat sleep, play, enjoy our life. For the next 40 years, we slave in the sun to support our family. <laughs> For the next 10 years, we do monkey tricks to entertain the grandchildren. <laughs> For the last 10 years, we sit on the front porch and we bark at everybody that goes by. <laughs> Isn't that fun? You've, you've just had a life now explained to you. I want to talk to you about God's will for your life. Um, there's a passage of scripture that Jesus, that draws me continually. Oh, Jesus taught so many incredible things, but of all the things that he taught, when I go into Matthew chapter 5, where he talks about us being salt and light, that is most engaging to me. All of my life, I've, I've, I've wanted to, to be salt, and I've wanted to be light. And people are asking me all the time, well, what do you think God's will for me is in my life? What, what, what do you think God's, God has planned for me? And it's real clear. It's right here. These are the words of Jesus, and they're on the screen now, I believe. Here's Jesus talking. He says, let me tell you why you're here. That's, that's pretty plain, isn't it? Jesus says, let, let, me, let me explain to you, as you're getting into 2022 now, let, let me explain to you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth, and if you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and wound up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. And if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, Shine, keep open house, be generous with your lives. 
By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. On my phone, you, you really can't see it unless the camera can get in on it tight. On the phone, I have a, a salt shaker and a light bulb with just the words underneath of them, be these. And what happens when we become salt and light? You see, salt makes things better and light makes things brighter. And when Jesus is talking to us, it's very clear. He said, I want you to be salt. I want you to make things better. I want you to be light. I want you to make things brighter. And I've spent all my Christian life trying to be salt and light and trying to learn how to be more effective in salt and light. And I've, I've just had a, a major passion to, to make things better in people's lives and to make things brighter in people's lives and, and to somehow really, you know, be a person that, attracts people to God and, and to be a person that makes people hungry to, to kind of want to know God. My, my salt and light journey is, is quite simple. Honestly, I, as a new Christian, I just began to understand that I, I was a new person in Christ Jesus. And, and that thought of, of me being a new person in Christ Jesus uh, just did something within me that, that made me want to help other people find what I have found and, and, and know what I know and, and discover what I have discovered. And, and so it, it, there's been a built-in passion for me to, to share my faith and to learn how to effectively share the good news with other people. And so in a very young Christian, as a 17-year-old, I, I, I've worked very hard on learning how to be a witness and, and how to let my light shine was called into ministry, and I, I can remember that I, I began to begin to share with others how to share their faith. And it was a very exciting time in my young pastoral life as, as I would begin to equip other people in how do you share with your friends how to know God. And, and I would take them with me and, and train them for three months. And our congregation began to blossom and grow, and, and we were beginning to see literally hundreds and hundreds of people come to Christ, and we became the fastest growing church in the state of Ohio and then became the fastest growing church in the country and, 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 and things were just really beautiful and contagious but it was, but it was all because of a, a passion that I had to, to help people just like you really live a life that, that was appetizing that was beautiful a life where the person that you work with after a while, just has to talk to you about what makes you so incredibly different and beautiful. A life that, that is so um, abundant that there are people that after a while, they just kind of say, I, I, I just, I just gotta, I just gotta know you're different. And throughout my journey, as I would share my faith and train others how to do it. I was privileged to know great people that were so much more effective and much greater salt and light than I could ever become. And every time I would see them, I would be hungry and I would just say, could you just lay your hands on me? 
Could you just pray over me? Could you, could you just ask God to um, just give me, a, I don't know, a portion, a, a little bit of, of what you have? Is there, is there I, I, would just, I would just love to, um, I would just love to live that kind of a life that, that you live and be that kind of person that you are. It was a life-changing day when I was in Nashville, Tennessee with my publisher and they told me that my books were, were being read by the secular business community. In fact, more were being read by the business community than by the Christian community. And I was just writing simple books on leadership. And, and that day, God just very clearly said, John, cross over. For 25 years, I'd have been a pastor. I thought I'd be a pastor all my life. I loved it. But all of a sudden, I realized that there was a door that was opening, that, that there perhaps was an opportunity for me to, to go to people that don't go to church and to kind of maybe connect with people that have never heard or experienced the good news. And I can still remember being in that boardroom and my heart leaping within me. And I knew for sure. I knew for sure that I was to leave everything I knew, that I was to leave everything that I was comfortable with, that I was to enter a world that was really different than mine, and that I was somehow supposed to connect with them, supposed to uh, engage them, and hopefully earn the right to over a matter of time share the good news with them. And I can tell you, um, for those next three years, they were the most incredible years of my life and they were the most difficult years of my life because I, I didn't have a model, I, I didn't have a pattern, I didn't really know somebody that had crossed over. In fact, to be honest with you, I got a lot of criticism from the Christian community because people said, well, why would you leave a pastorate and go into the business community? And there were people that thought I sold out to money and dollars, and, 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 I, and it was a hard time. It was, it was a very difficult time. It was a difficult time, not because I was unsure of where I was going. To be honest with you, it was a difficult time because the people I needed to help me and support me and pray for me were questioning me. I've always been grateful that my calling wasn't on a conference call. I've always been grateful that I didn't have to kind of bring a whole bunch of people around me to kind of affirm what I thought God was wanting me to be, salt and light. So over these last 25 years, I've been on a, a wonderful journey. It's a, a journey I would never change. It's, it's been a journey that I would love for you to sometime be able to enter in with me just to see it. And I want to thank you, Jeff, and I want to thank your incredible congregation for your help and, and your support. You, you help us with the, the dream. I know I'm known as the leadership guy. I got that. I write the leadership books. But you have to understand, just between me, you and me, that's a cover. <laughs> it's a total cover. But I knew I had to win the leadership world first. I knew that I had to help people learn how to lead well and had to come alongside and, and, and serve them and, and, and help them and add value to them before I would ever have the privilege and the right 
to develop a relationship. You see, in the church world, we immediately are connected. I walk into this auditorium and we're connected because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus paid the price. And, and, and there's, a, there's a relationship immediately that starts. But in the business community, that isn't the way it is. You have to earn their respect. You have to serve them. You add value to them first. And I had about eight to 10 years where I, I really was very careful just to add value, to serve. Because I knew that if I could win the day, if, I, if, if, I could, if they could know that my heart was for them, that I unconditionally loved them, no matter who they were, where they were, what they were doing, if, if, I, could, if I could connect with them, I realized there would be a day I would have the privilege and the right and the honor to, to begin to share my faith. So in my crossover journey, it was very slow in the beginning. And I did my best to be a person of excellence and a person of integrity. And we began to have quite a bit of success in that world. And slowly I, I began to watch the opportunity come for me to share my faith. And the reason I'm sharing that with you is not to tell my story this evening. The reason I'm sharing this with you is you have no idea. You have no idea how I'd love for you to enjoy the, uh, the life of being salt and light in your family, in your business, in your community, in your neighborhood. I was having dinner the other night with a very successful person. And I had the privilege of, about three or four years ago to leading him to Christ beautiful Christian, has a very successful family, grew up in a lot of wealth. And we were having a conversation and he was talking to me about his son who's doing extremely well in the stock market and in financial planning and making a lot of bucks. And, and I, I looked at my precious friend and I said, let me ask you a question. Have you been able to share your faith with your boy? Have you been able to, to see him succeed in the spiritual world like he's succeeding in the financial world? And I just love this young Christian's heart. And he said, honestly, he said, I, I, I don't know how and I, I want to. And we had a conversation that night. And the long story short, he called his son in the Washington, D.C. area. And, and, and <clears throat> we're setting up an opportunity now for me to share faith with him and teach Rob how to do this. But, but listen to me very, listen to me very, listen to me very carefully. There are people who will never know God if we wait on them to find the church. Never. In fact, 52% of the people are not coming to your church, they're not coming to my church, they're not coming to any church, they're not coming to church. What part of they're not coming to church do we not understand? What's frustrating to me is that if I was talking to the business community and I told them 52% of their potential customers was not going to come to their store or go online, they would aggressively go find them. Because it's for money. When are we going to become that aggressive for souls? I was awakened just the other morning 
while I was in the San Francisco area about 3.30 and I got up and I began to on my legal pad just write down very simply why I share my faith and the number one reason I share my faith is because God gave his son for people to know him. And if it's good enough for God to give his son so that people could know him, I think as a person, as a Christian, as a Christ follower, I better figure out how to share my faith with other people. My name is John. And I'm your friend. But lost is lost. And somehow, somehow, we somehow think lost isn't really lost. So I would like to, in just a few moments, very simply, give you six pictures. And these six pictures are just kind of foundational for me to be salt and light. I think they're simple pictures. I think you'll get every one of them. In fact, at the end, we'll have some fun and we'll go through the motions. And, and, and I'll, make sure that, I'll make sure that you have it so that when I'm finished speaking, I, here's what I'm gonna know. I'm gonna know that you know how to, how to be transformational and how you, you know how to be salt and light. And then, of course, it's gonna be up to you to, to see how far you wanna take it. The first picture I want you to see is a picture of a waterfall. There's something beautiful about a waterfall. It's, it's, it's attractive. People love to see uh, the majesty of it. There, there's something beautiful about the fact that it, it brings refreshment to the ground below. Uh, it, 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 you know, it's just, it's, it's just incredible. It, it, it's about nourishment. It's about refreshment. There, there's something life-giving about a waterfall. And when Jesus talks to us about being salt and light, what he's really saying to us is he says, I would like you to be refreshing to a lost world. I would like you to, to be so appealing that people want to come and, and feel the energy of the water and, and feel the life-giving flow of, of what happens when you're salt and light. If you've ever traveled and, you know, you know, you travel in, in some of the places in Europe and you love to see the fountains and there's something beautiful about a fountain and it's life-giving. But can I tell you something? I, I've never known a person that was traveled and I said, what are you, what, what are you kind of hoping to see? I've never had anybody say, well, I, I, I'm looking for a drain. <laughs> Honest to God, if I could just see a drain, wouldn't that be, a, wouldn't that be amazing to just go over and, take pictures of that drain. It's where debris gathers and stuff gathers. You just got to really ask yourself, and I got to ask myself, am I a plus in people's life or am I a minus? Am I adding value? Am I a positive difference? Am I attractive? 
You know, when, when, when Paul gives the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, he talks about the fruit that's produced by the Holy Spirit. And I love how Paul said it. He said, it's produced within you. It's, it's not produced outside of us. It's not produced at a place like a church. He said, within you, I, I'm producing this, this Holy Spirit. And, and by the way, all the, the fruit of the Spirit that are given, the, all they are are expressions of, of, of divine love. And so here Paul lays it out. He said, the fruit that by the Holy Spirit is produced within you is divine love in all of its varied expression. And then listen, joy that overflows, peace that endures, or peace that subdues, I'm sorry, patience that endures, kindness in action, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, strength of spirit. And then, I've never heard any pastor ever speak about this next section of this fruit of the Spirit but I don't want you to miss it. He says, never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. The church has gone to seed on the law, my friend. I love you, but we've lost our way. There isn't a law in this land that can save a person. What's life-changing, what's life-giving is the fruit of the Spirit. And when you have that joy and that strength and that peace, that the last two years have been the most incredible years I've ever had in sharing my faith. It's, it's just, it's been like, I, it's, it's, I've been on an incredible, precious journey. I've ne never had such an opportunity to share my faith. I've never seen so many people come to God People come and they say, well, I, I'm fearful. And I say, I understand. It's a lot of fear. And then I lean into him. I said, I would give anything if you had my faith. What, what do you mean? What I mean is that fear that controls you. I have a faith in God that gives me strength to overcome that fear. I, I, I just, I wish you had my faith. Well, you know, I, I'm just greatly disturbed and I'm anxious. I know, I got it. Oh, I wish, I wish you had my peace. Oh my gosh, I, I, I'm just anxious. I, I wish you had my, I wish you had my joy. I, I promise you, I've never seen so many people so hungry for God, but they will not be hungry for God if you are as fearful as they are. Listen to me carefully. Listen to me carefully do you and I have a God that is greater than COVID there is nothing attractive there is nothing beautiful there is nothing engaging about Christians huddled in fear if I was a non-believer and I would see most Christians, I would not at all be attracted to God. And it breaks my heart. I'm very leadership sad. We've lost an incredible opportunity to be witnesses. We've given caught up with the age and the culture and the thoughts 
And we've been sucked into things that will never satisfy and never change lives. And we've got more, become more passionate about who is elected than who is on the throne. Listen to me. I appreciate your applause. Look at me. I don't need any of it. I know my mission. I know my calling. And we as Christians are living so far beneath our privileges. We as Christians are living so far below who we could be, who we should be, who God would want us to be at a time like this. I love worship, but my greatest times with God aren't in collective worship. My greatest times with God is when I'm in a secular world and I'm trying to share my faith with an unbeliever. And then I watch God come and begin to speak to their heart and I begin to watch them begin to change and I begin to see them lean in and I begin to see interest. I want to tell you, when a bunch of believers are together, you can see God do all kinds of things. But the most amazing things you'll ever see is when you are out there on your own with the power of the Holy Spirit asking God to help you and make a difference and watch him break through, not with a worship team, but with the fact that you're trying to be obedient and faithful and be salt and light. Most Christians would rather curse the darkness than turn on the light. We are living way beneath our privileges. The second picture is just a picture of joining hands. It's, it's, it's the willingness to come together. In my book, The Laws of Teamwork, I talk about the law of significance, which basically says one is too small of a number to achieve greatness. This is, this is about now coming and finding common ground. And when I began this transformation journey, when I began this crossover journey that I'm on, God began to very clearly say to me, John, Find a commonality with people. Find a commonality with lost people. It's not about your differences. You've got to, you've got, before they can love your God, they've got to love you. Before they can have a desire to want your God, they have to want to be with you. You've got to be a friend. You've got to cross over. Paul said that. He said, he, he said I literally... I literally crossed over. He said, I, I, I entered their world. Why did I enter their world? So that I could see things from their perspective. And I began to cross over. And I began to see things from the perspective of lost people. And everything began to change. And I began to understand that, that if I could connect with them, if I, could, if I could love them unconditionally, oh my what a new thought for Christians. Loving people unconditionally. We want to fix them. If you watch Jesus in the Gospels and follow him, 
the thing that will impact you the most is how much he valued people. How much he valued people and how much he cared for people and it made him attractive and they, they could hardly wait to, to see him and to hear him and, and to get around him. He, he didn't he didn't build fences and draw barriers. He, he understood that really people don't care how much you know until you, they know how much you care. Let me go to the third picture. You are so attentive. You are so into this. You are encouraging me as I teach a, a, a message that we need. I, I just, just thank you and I have to be careful. I got to keep moving, or I could keep you here till midnight tonight. <laughs> the third picture is the picture of a ladder, and the and the ladder is is you know what the ladder does is it 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 gives hope for people to climb out of their situation. And, and by the way, when when we when we when we when we have the ladder, I want us to see we're not we're not like at the top and we're putting the ladder down and we're saying, okay, climb on up, come on up here. No, no, no. What, what we're really doing is, listen, don't miss this, we're holding the ladder. We need to hold the ladder for people. Okay, are you ready? You see, if I, if I see you as hurting, I'll help you. If I see you as broken, I'll fix you. But if I see you as valuable, I'll serve you. Don't miss it. You see, in the first two scenarios, I see you as hurting, so I help you, and I see you as broken as I fix you. You realize I always look good. I mean, I'm the person who came into your life. I mean, my gosh, thank God, John, you came. If you wouldn't come to me, I'd still be in the ditch. You're amazing. But the third scenario, when I see you as valuable, I serve you. I've just changed positions. I'm no longer over the top. I'm, I'm no longer the Savior. I'm no longer the Messiah. I'm no longer the person who swept in and, oh my gosh, what would I have done if I would have not have met you? And, oh, thank you, thank you. No, no. Now I've taken on a servant's heart. And I've taken, and, and where, does, where does servanthood begin? It begins with valuing people. And I mean everyone. Everyone. I value them right where they are, no matter what they're doing. And people can tell when you value them. And by the way, when you value them, serving them begins to be an incredible joy. You do not mind caring and sharing and holding that ladder and doing everything you possibly can to see them begin to, to take their journey toward God. You know, Jesus so incredibly introduces us to what I call the servanthood surprise. It's just very simple. He said, if you want to be first, you've got to be last. If you, you want to be lifted up, you've got to humble yourself. If, if you want to be the greatest, you've got to become the least. You've got to be the servant. If you want to be first, you've got to be last. You've got to rule. You've got to serve. We got all that. We got all that. And, and, and when I started this journey of, of valuing people in servanthood, what I thought was, 
that was serving others is what I should do and what I got was a heart that valued people. You see, what I thought and what I got weren't the same. When I, when I started really serving people, what I thought was that serving others was important to people and, and what I got was the fact that serving others is important to Jesus. In fact, it's so important to Jesus that he takes it personal. Yeah, he said, you know, um, I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. And I was in prison and you visited me. And, you know, everybody said, well, when did we do that? When did we do that? What do you mean? How did that happen? You see, the people had no idea how personal Jesus takes when you and I cross over and love people unconditionally and serve them because we value them as people. To be honest with you, in the Christian community, we value people that think like us. We value people that act like us. It's awfully hard to divide from other people and then win them to Christ. You better figure this out. You just better figure this out. Jesus loves people that don't have my values. Just look at your neighbor and say, Jesus loves you. Go ahead and tell him that right now. Jesus loves you. Look, look right back at him and say to him, Jesus loves me. Isn't that nice? Tell him, Jesus loves me. <laughs> look, hey, look, look, at, look, at your, hey look, at, look at your neighbor and say, uh, Jesus loves people that I like. Go ahead and tell him that. Jesus loves people I like. <laughs> yeah, he does. Jesus does. Yeah. Oh, oh hey, 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 look at him one more time. and says, Jesus loves people I don't like. And therein is the problem. No one will ever come to Jesus because you don't like them. No one. What part of this do we not understand? The fourth picture is the picture of a heart. And with that heart, I want you to put the word values because I'm talking now back into Galatians, the five, the fruit of the spirit, the stuff that comes out of the heart. And I want to talk to you just for a moment about, just for a moment about values. You see, we've lost our way. We've lost our way. I've already read to you the passage that these qualities of the fruit of the Spirit are way above the law. I, I, life, it was life-changing to me in 2000. If you could go back that far and you're that old, you can remember corporate scandals. If I just start using the word like Enron, Tyco, all of a sudden you begin, these uh, companies that had these statements of, 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 of who they were, they weren't that at all, and, and, and they were violating the trust of people. And they were collapsing, and Time Warner was my publisher at the time, and they called me in New York City and said, John, we want you to write a book on 
on business ethics. I said, I can't. They said, why not? I said, because there's no such thing as business ethics. <laughs> there's just ethics. You either have them or you don't. And by the way, if you have them, they work in business. Oh, happy day. <laughs> and they said, well, can you do that? I said, I don't know. It's awful hard to write a book on ethics when there are no, seems to be in the culture, no truth or absolutes. But I said, I'll give it a shot, and I did, and it was life-changing for me. It was one of those incredible times in my life where I just graduated to another level because all of a sudden, I, I wrote a book based on the golden rule. Just treat others as you would like to be treated yourself. We did research. The golden rule is in every religion. It's in every culture in the world. And it was during that time that I began to understand that values need to be placed above the law. That it's out of the heart that come the issues of the life. That the law kills. But, but, but there's, there's something incredible about when people begin to learn and live good values. And we've proven this now with millions of people internationally over the last 15 years. When people learn and live good values, they begin to become more valuable. And they begin to lean in to the gospel. A couple of years ago on Easter, I was asked by the king of Saudi Arabia to go to Saudi Arabia to, to do transformation in that country. I'm in the Middle East a lot. I thought this would be an interesting time. And I went and spent the weekend and had some incredible conversations with him. But I knew. But you see, the king of Saudi Arabia says by 2030, he's already put it into law. It's a king. He's a king. It's a kingdom. It's already done. It's an edict. That by 2030, they will be a moderate Muslim country. And so, you know, he said, we brought you in because you're known to do leadership and transformation. And you're going to have to, we need your help. And and so I said, fine. And, and so I, I worked with them for three days. And it ha literally happened to be on Easter Sunday two years ago. And I finally sat down with the royal family and the top 200 leaders of that country. And I shared with them, I waited till the end. Trust me, I worked myself up to this. <laughs> In case you think I'm amazing and I'm brave, I thought, oh my gosh, I may not go home. My last talk to the family was just because the king makes it a law doesn't mean the hearts of the people are changed. And I talked about values. And they asked me immediately to begin training 20,000 people in Saudi Arabia to teach values. And may I just say this to you, every value we teach is biblically grounded. I just don't put the scripture in. I just know that God has the ability through his Holy Spirit to reach a heart even if I don't put the verse in. And when I, I, when I, when I walk off sometimes and when I was in Kuwait and speaking to all the bankers of that country, 
No politics, no religion. I taught them values all day, and when I walked, they were just on their feet, and, they were and I was smiling in my heart, and I was saying, I just planted good biblical values in your heart. We now are teaching values in public schools and every public school in Guatemala now they teach. And by the way, the values we teach is in the curriculum. It's not before school, after school, and dance around the flagpole stuff. None of that stuff has ever impressed me. That's just Christians' way of not being able to connect with the culture, and so they do what's best on live on the peripheral instead of getting in the middle. And, I, and we've got it in the Constitution in Guatemala. These values are being taught with language. Over a million kids in public schools, all public schools, public schools. It's now the same in Paraguay. It's now just going to the Constitution next week in, 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 in Costa Rica. And we're, just, and we're just seeing life change, life change. Now listen to me very carefully. The, 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 the Secretary of Education for Guatemala, I was talking to her recently and she said John our school teachers are telling us within three weeks of kids sharing values around small groups within three weeks the teachers can see the difference in the attitude of the students in three weeks I'm going to come back to that the fifth picture is a picture of a table I'm sorry Jeff I'll cut this out I'm going a little too long but the picture of a table and beside that write the word community because what happens is transformation happens one table at a time There are incredible ways to communicate. You can counsel, you can speak, you can have conferences like they have with Prepare, which I think is so incredible. But the greatest way to connect and communicate is around a table. That's why when you were talking about your groups that were getting ready to get started, Jeff, I get so excited because that's where life change happens. Life change happens around a table. A few years ago, I was asked to speak in the opening session in the United Nations and I thought, how am I going to teach leadership to people that come out of kingdoms, socialism, democracies, all kind of governments? How, I mean, how, 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 how am I going to connect with them? And I, I spoke that day about three questions that followers ask of their leaders, regardless of country or culture. Question number one, do you care for me? Question number two, can you help me? Question number three, can I trust you? And for two hours, I spoke to those ambassadors on those three questions. Let me tell you, in a table, those three questions are answered better than any other setting. It's around a table that we find that people care for us. It's around a table that we begin to build trust. It's around a table that we begin to share and get our help. Just recently, there was an incredible, uh, came out of, I think it was Stanford Research, that for people to grow, knowledge only brings 5% of growth. But when you take knowledge and couple it with demonstration or example, the growth goes up 20%. But when you put knowledge and demonstration or example and practice, it goes up to 40%. But when you put knowledge, demonstration, practice, and sharing, it goes to 90%. 
There's a, there's a receptivity around that table and, and sharing. So let's just review for a moment. If we want to be salt and light, if we want to reach our community here or the pastors that are represented here, if you want to meet, reach them in your churches and outside of your churches, think of the waterfall. Teach your people to be refreshing in their spirit. They need to be attractive. They need to join hands. Look for common ground. Don't look for what separates you. You see, anybody that understands relationship connection says, I'll find the 1% I agree on and I'll give it 100% of my effort. Most Christians find the 1% they disagree on and give it 100% of their effort. Horrible approach. One more, one more picture. And that's the picture of a bridge. You see, the bridge speaks of possibilities because, um, in fact, there are two pictures I gave you here that are just so, I just want to make sure we get them. You, you, we do the ladder, we hold the ladder so, so people can climb up out of their situation. We, we hold that ladder for them. But, but when you build a bridge, what, what you build bridges, a, a bridge is built to a desired location that's hard to cross. And so somebody says, really, if we want to go there and we want to enjoy that, we, we've, got to, we've got to build a bridge. We've got to, we've got to let people be able to cross over. And, and the last picture of, of being salt and light is, is, is to be a, a bridge. So let me close with a story. For 10 years, we've been working hard internationally to do transformation, to be salt and light, to live in a secular world and ask ourselves, how can we bring them into the kingdom? We've worked hard. One of the things that evolved out of this process was our values training in classrooms. We have three years curriculum now. It's called I Lead. You can go online. It's all free. You can look at it. You can, you're a teacher, you can go use it. But, but, the, but the first year is, it's all about values. And the first year is I choose good values. The second year is I practice good values. And the third year is about I influence others and lead others to have good values. It's, a, it's an incredible curriculum. And we've, been, we've literally been working with literally millions of kids internationally, working to make sure that it was right because I've wanted to bring it to America. And just last year, I, I, I began to, I, I, well, I'm so leadership sad by the state of our country and the ridiculousness of, of our posture in the church that I thought maybe now's the time. And, and I said, I want to go to the public schools. And I would share that with other people. And to be honest with you, I didn't get a lot of encouragement. We just kind of rather cursed the darkness then turn on the light. So I had an invitation about eight months ago to go to South Carolina to speak to all the superintendents and principals because they're always grappling with COVID and how do we take care of the students and there's a lot of leadership issues and so I went and spoke to, I don't maybe 450 superintendents, principals of the whole public school system of South Carolina. And I finished my talk and um, I said, could I have two minutes of personal privilege? And they said, yes. And I said, I would just like to talk to you about our country. 
I said we're in a values deficit. We've lost our way. We don't have a law problem. We have a values problem. Please understand this. We've lost our way. I said if I wanted to help America, I, I wouldn't do it through the political system. I, I wouldn't do it through politics. Dear God, they're a huge disappointment. Huge. I don't like either party. My hope surely isn't there. I hope you got a hope a little bit more mature than that. I looked at him and I said, if I really wanted to change America, I would do it through the education system because you get the kids. And you get them first. And not only do you get them, but you're in a local community and you're responsible to that local community. And that local community will be able to control a little bit. You can't control distant political stuff, but you, you, you can control the education. And so I told him what we were doing in these countries. And I'm signing books at the end, and a lady by the name of Molly Spearman came up and said, can I see you afterwards? I said, sure. I found out that I didn't know at the time, but I found out that she was the head of all the superintendents of South Carolina. And she said, John, when you talked about America and we've lost our values, and you talked about what you were doing internationally, she said, I felt inside of me that we should do that in South Carolina. She said, would you mind if we took your values curriculum and she said, I, I would really like it to be in our junior hires. We got about 200,000 junior hires in South Carolina, and they so desperately need values. And I said, well, I want you to look at the material to make sure it would cross over and be okay. And so they looked at it. They came back. They said, well, this stuff is amazing. We can't even fathom it. And then she said, John, she said, we're going to model it for you right now in South Carolina. Superintendents and principals of that state in the public school system are going through change your world and practicing learning values. Now let me show you how good God is. Only God could do this. Only God. Molly not only is over all the public school superintendents and principals in South Carolina, she's just been elected to be over the entire nation next year over the entire nation. She said, John, she said, John, what we'll do is we'll be the model this year. We'll be the model for you, and next year I'll put you nationally in front of all the superintendents, all the principals. She said, next year, she said, and, and we'll be the model. And she said, I promise you, because we've modeled it and it's been in the school system publicly, she said, there'll be others catch on. Now just let me stop here for a moment and let me just tell you, only God could do that for us. Only God can do that for us. There, there is no one else, no one else that can do this except God. But it's starting to be contagious. Ohio wants me to come and talk to the public school system. In two weeks I'm gonna be in Texas talking to all of your public school superintendents. I just want to encourage you. I, want to, I want, really want to encourage you tonight just to be salt and light. And I want to encourage you to be salt and light out there. 
Because it's out there that we have to tell the good news. And, and I don't want you to forget what I shared. And, and so what I want to do is I, 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 I want to just, I'm going to lead you in the motion so you'll never forget what transformation and what it looks like. So I want every one of you to stand. Come on, get on your feet. Let's go, let's go. I, I gave you the pictures, but we're not done. We're going, we're going, we're, I, I'm, going I'm going to now, we're going to, we're going to do the motions, okay? And then I'm going to slip off the stage and die a happy old man. Now watch me. Transformation begins in me. The first motion is right here. I'm that waterfall. I'm that refreshing person. I'm the person that lost people love to be around. Because of the fruit of the Spirit is just so stinking evident in my life. Transformation begins in here. It begins with me. Watch this. And I join hands. Join hands. Shake hands with the person beside you. Transformation begins when I join hands with others. Watch on. Okay. To help people climb up to their potential. To learn and live good values around a table that builds a bridge to a better future. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. Come on. Let's do it. Let's go. Are you ready? Let's go. Come on. Watch me. Watch me. Watch me. Transformation begins when I join hands to help people climb up to their potential by learning and living good values around tables to build a bridge to a better future. Now, I want you, you're doing great on the emotions. You're really doing it. Now, say it with me, okay? Come on. Just, just make an old man happy. Come on, all right? <laughs> okay. Transformation begins when I join hands to help people climb up to their potential to learn and live good values around a table to build a bridge to a better future. God bless you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.